Section ninety five of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter one hundred and twenty six. London, January eighth, Old Style, seventeen fifty one. My dear friend, by your letter of the fifth, New Style, I find that your debut at Paris has been a good one. You are entered into good company, and I dare say you will not sink into bad. Frequent the houses where you have been once invited and have none of that shyness which makes most of your countrymen strangers, where they might be intimate and domestic if they pleased. Wherever you have a general invitation to sup when you please, profit of it, with decency, and go every now and then. Lord Abelmarle will, I am sure, be extremely kind to you, but his house is only a dinner-house, and, as I am formed, frequented by no French people. Should he happen to employ you in his bureau, which I much doubt, you must write a better hand than your common one, or you will get no credit by your manuscripts, for your hand is at present an illiberal one, and it is neither a hand of business nor of a gentleman, but the hand of a schoolboy writing his exercises, which he hopes will never be read. Madame de Montconcile gives me a favourable account of you, and so do Marquis de Matignon and Madame de Bocage. They all say that you desire to please, and consequently promise me that you will and they judge right, for whoever really desires to please, and has, as you now have, the means of learning how, certainly will please, and that is the great point of life. It makes all other things easy. Whenever you are with Madame de Montconcile, Madame du Bocage, or other women of fashion, with whom you are tolerably free, say frankly and naturally, I know little of the world, I am quite a novice in it, and although very desirous of pleasing, I am at a loss for the means. Be so good, madam, as to let me into your secret of pleasing everybody. I shall owe my success to it, and you will always have more than falls to your share. When, in consequence of this request, they shall tell you of any little error, awkwardness, or impropriety, you should not only feel, but express the warmest acknowledgment. Though nature should suffer, and she will at first hearing them, Tell them that you will look upon the most severe criticisms as the greatest proof of their friendship. Madame du Bocage tells me particularly, to inform you, I shall always receive the honour of his visits with pleasure. It is true that at his age the pleasures of conversation are cold, but I will endeavour to make him acquainted with young people, etc. Make use of this invitation, and as you live in a manner next door to her, step in and out there frequently. Monsieur du Bocage will go with you, he tells me, with great pleasure, to the plays, and point out to you whatever deserves your knowing there. This is worth your acceptance, too. He has a very good taste. I have not yet heard from Lady Hervey upon your subject, but as you inform me that you have already supped with her once, I look upon you as adopted by her. Consult her in all your little matters. Tell her any difficulties that may occur to you. Ask her what you should do or say in such or such cases. She has l'usage du monde en perfection, and will help you to acquire it. Madame de Birkenrode est partie de grâce, and your quotation is very applicable to her. You may be there, I dare say, as often as you please, and I would advise you to sup there once a week. You say very justly that as Mr. Hart is leaving you, you shall want advice more than ever. You shall never want mine, and as you have already had so much of it, I must rather repeat than add to what I have already given you. But that I will do, and add to it occasionally, as circumstances may require. At present I shall only remind you of your two great objects, 
which you should always attend to. They are Parliament and Foreign Affairs. With regard to the former, you can do nothing while abroad but attend carefully to the purity, correctness, and elegance of your diction, the clearness and gracefulness of your utterance, in whatever language you speak. As for the parliamentary knowledge, I will take care of that when you come home. With regard to foreign affairs, everything you do abroad may and ought to tend that way. Your reading should be chiefly historical. I do not mean of remote, dark, and fabulous history, still less of gimcrack natural history of fossils, minerals, plants, etc. But I mean the useful, political, and constitutional history of Europe, for these last three centuries and a half. The other necessary thing for your foreign object, and not less necessary than either ancient or modern knowledge, is a great knowledge of the world, manners, politeness, address, and le ton de la bonne compagnie. In that view, keeping a great deal of good company is the principal point to which you are now to attend. It seems ridiculous to tell you, but it is most certainly true, that your dancing-master is at this time the man in all Europe of the greatest importance to you. You must dance well, in order to sit, stand, and walk well, and you must do all these well in order to please. What with your exercises, some reading, and a great deal of company, your day is, I confess, extremely taken up. But the day, if well employed, is long enough for everything, and I am sure you will not slattern away one moment of it in inaction. At your age, people have strong and active spirits, alacrity and vivacity in all they do, are imprigi, indefatigable, and quick. The difference is that a young fellow of parts exerts all those happy dispositions in the pursuit of proper objects, endeavours to excel in the solid and in the showish parts of life, whereas a silly puppy or a dull rogue throws away all his youth and spirit upon trifles, where he is serious, or upon disgraceful vices, while he aims at pleasures. This, I am sure, will not be your case. Your good sense and your good conduct hitherto are your guarantees with me for the future. Continue only at Paris as you have begun, and your stay there will make you, what I have always wished you to be, as near perfection as our nature permits. Adieu, my dear, remember to write to me once a week, not as to a father, but without reserve as to a friend. End of section 95. Read by Professor Heather By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.